Today's video is brought to you by Candid. Hey brother! Magical transportation is kind of a funny thing. There are like a ton of different ways wizards can use to get from point A to point B. Apparitions, brooms, trains, port keys, flu powder, cat buses, and so on. And all these methods might have their own individual purpose, like whether or not you're traveling in a group, whether or not regulation is in play. Do you have a license to apparate? Do you have flu powder or a fireplace? In certain instances, especially for us non-magical folk, might seem unexpected, like how after the first time Harry disapparates with Dumbledore, he says he thinks he'd rather stick to brooms. So on the one hand, like, yeah, I get it. Brooms seem incredibly fun. And if I had access to one, I would be using using it all the time. With the key exception being if I was actually trying to travel somewhere a long ways away and could also apparate because it just seems way faster. But then apparition has its drawbacks as well. Like for one, you have to be licensed and you have to be of age to become licensed. It also seems difficult to do, uncomfortable to do. There's some significant skill involved and a wee bit of risk. Like you really don't want to splinch yourself. <laughs> but also let's be real. Are you kidding me? You need a license. How are they going to enforce that? It's not like they could catch you apparating without a license because in order to do so, you'd have had to have just apparated and then you won't be there. I swear if you apparate without a license right now, I'll... Well, I'll see you wherever you are, I guess. I don't know. On top of that, though, apparition has distance limits. Like, the further you are from something, the more difficult it becomes. And some places restrict it altogether. Like, you can't apparate in or out of Hogwarts. It's always made me wonder, like, what if you tried? Like, if you were in the school, would you just, like, keep standing there and not go anywhere? Or if you were trying to go inside the school, would it just, like, bounce you to the barrier, like, to the edge of the school, and you just have to walk the rest of the distance? So if that's the case, it doesn't seem that bad. Like, that, that's not the best defense, is it? <laughs> what are we, like, 200 yards away? <sighs> Let's just turn around. Pack it up, people. You guys hear the rain? We also see Harry and friends travel by train, but you know, trains aren't always available. And also there seems to just be the one and it also goes from just the one place to another place like once a year. Gotch that, twice a year they gotta get back home too. What do they do at Christmas? Then you've got port keys, which are great for groups, especially if you've got underage wizards because they don't really require any skill. Which is not to say there's no skill involved. I mean, just look at Cedric arriving at the Quidditch World Cup, like wow. Wow, 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 wow. But port keys also have this weird like timing element to them and there seems to be a lot of setup and red tape to cut through. And they're really just a one use sort of thing. Like I don't think you'd have a manky old boot at the end of your driveway that just transported you to the Ministry of Magic whenever you felt like it. That said, the Triwizard Cup goes two ways. What's up with that? Full video by clicking the card. And then finally, you've got flu powder, which in many ways is the most effective kind of travel. You can have your house hooked up to it. All you need is a little bit of flu powder. There's no skill required other than basic pronunciation, which is a challenge for some people. Plus you can kind of use it as a phone service, which we see Amos and Sirius and Harry all do, a la just sticking your face in the fire. Which let's be honest, that had to take some real courage for the first person who did it. Oh, come on, what are you worried about? It's just sticking your face in the fire. Right, and then what, best case scenario, my head is separated from my body in someone else's fireplace miles away? Exactly. Right, so that's it working, but it not working is me literally catching on fire. Yeah, but only your head. But decapitation and burning alive risks aside, flu powder is actually really effective. But the question is, how does it work? Today, we find out. Guys, before we dive on in, we need to give a huge thank you to today's sponsor, Candid. 
It is wedding season, you guys. Beth and I were at one just this past weekend. Look at us, how cute are we? But beyond that, it's summer. It's just a great time to be outside taking photos. But if being in pictures or your smile makes you self-conscious, well, don't worry, it doesn't have to. Candid makes clear and comfortable aligners that are practically invisible, meaning you can be well on your way to a better smile without anybody even knowing. Take it from Justin M in Atlanta, who says, when I was younger, I used to have a gap in the front and on the side. I noticed that people would always look at my mouth first, so I was looking for a fix. Candid ended up being the perfect company for me. You can't stop me from smiling now. There is no comparison. And with Candid, you work with the same licensed orthodontist the entire time. It's the same level of care you'd get by going in the office, except you can do it all from the comfort of your home. So start becoming your best you and start straightening your teeth today. Right now, you can get $75 off with Candid's starter kit. All you have to do is go to candidco.com SCB and use promo code SCB. Again, that is candidco.com SCB with promo code SCB. Take advantage of this limited time offer to get $75 off of your Candid starter kit. One more time, candidco.com slash SCB with promo code SCB. Link is in the description down below. Okay, so first let's give a little bit of the lore we actually know about flu powder because some of the backstory is actually pretty interesting. According to the Wizarding World Archives, flu powder always has and always will cost just two sickles a scoop. Or as I like to think of it, 11.7% of a gallon. It's easy enough. It's really, really Really not. Or hey, what do I know? Maybe it's my fault for not memorizing my fractional 17s? Multiples of 17s? And 39, that's another one, whatever, doesn't matter. Point is, flu powder always has and always will cost two sickles a scoop. Supposedly some people have tried to use powdered rune spore fangs to replicate the effects of flu powder, but oh man, oh man, unless you are Santa Claus himself, that is a bad move, because all it's gonna do is shoot you straight out of the chimney. It's basic science, people. That said, if you are Santa, then it's incredibly useful. I mean, going back up always felt like the mystery to me. Until now. <laughs> The more you know. Moving on though, based on this picture, it looks like flu powder was actually invented by uh, Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty. Okay, her name is actually Ignatia Wildsmith, but I mean, come on, she invented travel by green fire and looks like this? Pretty sure it was Maleficent. Seriously guys, can you hear the rain? We're gonna wait. I'll just rehearse lines. Riley's waving at us from the other room like, don't record during this. Anyway, Ignatia invented flu powder in the 13th century and is the only licensed producer of flu powder under the LLC Flu Pal. Actually, can't verify that Flu Pal is an LLC or that they even had those in the 13th century, but liability awareness is just great practice in small businesses. Either way, Flu Pal holds its headquarters in Diagon Alley and don't bother knocking on the front door because they never answer. It literally says that in the article. The only licensed producer in Britain is Flu Pal, a company whose headquarters is in Diagon Alley and who never answers their front door. The rain is back. Which water can even be in the sky? But here's where things get kind of fun because the exact composition of flu powder is a closely guarded secret. Others have tried and failed to perfect their own concoction, but usually the result is what they call faux flu. And according to St. Mungo's, about one person a year shows up suffering from it. Now, whether they show up by rocketing out of their chimney and landing in the hospital is unclear. But if you ask me, likely. 
But I found this whole story very interesting because this stuff has been around forever. It's very good at what it does. The price never changes and yet only one person is licensed to do it and no one else has been able to recreate it at all. Like everyone has access to the powder. Could they not just look at the powder and recreate it? Like, do they not have microscopes? Hmm, they probably do not. But the way this reads to me is that whatever ingredients are used to make flu powder must in some way be very abundant to flu pow who's making it, but very difficult to get for everyone else. And look, I'm not here to give out secrets, but I do think we've figured it out, but still it's only a guess. So it'll be up to you guys to determine whether or not we're right. What's that? Oh, legal's telling me I have to tell you, please to not actually try to travel by flu powder. It will absolutely not work. A thousand percent guaranteed. Results will not vary. You will be bummed. Oh, burn, burned, bummed, burned. Both are true. They kind of look the same. And honestly, you're probably going to have a hot bottom. But here we go. The main thing we know about flu powder is that it involves stepping into fire. The main perk being you will not be burned. And the other kind of unusual feature is where it can be used because it doesn't seem like the fireplace in question needs anything in particular to be done to it. For example, Arthur is even able to hook up the Dursley's fireplace to the flu network and it's the most non-magical place in the world. Minus the chosen one living there. So muggle fireplaces aren't a problem, but what's almost even more surprising is that Hogwarts fireplaces aren't a problem. The school is completely locked down, everyone. We've got Dementors at every entrance and no one can apparate in or out. Uh, what about flu powder? Ah, flobber worms. We didn't think of that. Well, hopefully Sirius Black won't either. Does it ever seem weird to you in Goblet of Fire that Sirius, who is still the most wanted wizard alive, is able to just access the Gryffindor common room at will via the flu network? Which does also make you wonder, like, why did it take him all the way until Halloween the year before to break into the Gryffindor common room? Sirius Black! <laughs> I mean, for one, he's one of the marauders, which means he knows all the secret ways into the school. But two, he's Sirius Black! You telling me he couldn't break into any other wizarding home in the world and use their flu powder to get into the common room? I mean, yeah, sure, while Umbridge is there, she has all of the fireplaces monitored, except hers but they still work. And he's going there to commit a murder he's already been convicted of. So what does he care if he even gets caught? On the whole, it just seems like a massive breakdown in security, if you ask me. <laughs> On that note, remember when Draco freaked out for an entire year trying to figure out how to sneak Death Eaters into the castle? <laughs> Whoops, flu powder, friend, flu powder. The irony being that he ends up using the vanishing cabinet Harry hides in after accidentally flu powdering himself into Dr. Nally. Diagonally. Honestly, I'm not sure what the oversight is on this transportation loophole. Like maybe are the Hogwarts fires only available for the telephone communication thing and not actual transport? But actually, no, even that doesn't hold up because Harry uses the flu network to return to Hogwarts in his fifth year. So I don't know. Speaking of Harry's fifth year, that's also when we see Dumbledore exit the castle in a maybe not as unique as I thought, but still undeniably stylish fashion. <laughs> Stylish fashion, you get it? It's fun because they mean the same thing. Dumbledore's got style. But we may be onto something here because what Dumbledore demonstrates when he exits the castle in this uh, vogue way, I'm running out of stylish synonyms, is yet another form of travel by fire. Phoenix fire. Fox circled the office and swooped low over him. Dumbledore released Harry, raised his hand and grasped the Phoenix's long golden tail. There was a flash of fire and the pair of them had gone. This method of transportation is unique to Phoenixes and can be used in Hogwarts, but I certainly wouldn't call it a common form of transportation because Phoenixes are 
terribly difficult to tame. But before we continue, I think it would be important to recognize Phoenix's other trademark unique ability, the ability to burst into flames and be reborn from their ashes. Also, their tears have healing powers, their tail feathers can be used in wands, they can carry immense loads, and their songs will ease your woes, but mainly their main thing is the being reborn from their own ashes thing. But at this point, I think you can see where we're going with this. I think it's not only possible, but likely that flu powder is actually Phoenix ashes. It's travel by fire that works inside of Hogwarts. Travel that if you ever observed, you might wonder, huh, can I recreate that? But now is where I suspect there might be some hands raised out there because as we just said, phoenixes are really hard to tame. And if that's the case, then how is flu pow getting all the phoenix ashes? Because we also mentioned that it's not very expensive, but if it's so rare, if it's coming from phoenixes, then how are they never raising the prices? Excellent questions. Despite the fact that they are really hard to tame, there is other evidence in the books that suggest parts of their anatomy are used kind of frequently. For example, it's known that phoenix tears can heal wounds, and how would anyone know that if nobody had any access to phoenix tears? Plus, we know their tail feathers are one of the three cores Ollivander uses to make his wands. That said, to date, I think the only characters we know of that have phoenix tail feathers in their wands are Harry and Voldemort, and both of those tail feathers specifically came from Fox. But regardless, more must be out there. Because, I mean, if Ollivander has only made two phoenix wands in the last 50 years, I hardly think he can even advertise that he uses them at all. And because we know specifically that Fox isn't the source of any other phoenix feather, it must mean that Ollivander has another source of phoenix feathers. And here I believe potentially lies the answer. Ollivander and Flu Pal are both located in Diagon Alley. They both sell secretive products that come from phoenixes. And while we only know of two tamed phoenixes ever, Fox and the mascot of some Quidditch team, which also sounds kind of unbelievable, it doesn't mean Flu Pow and or Ollivander don't have their own as well. After all, there's very clear proof that Ollivander has some amount of access to Phoenix Tail Feathers. And remember earlier when we said that Flu Pow never answers the door when people knock? I have to tell you, it's starting to make a little bit more sense. The reason no one else has ever been able to successfully recreate flu powder, the reason they never answer the door is because they have never let the secret out that they have a phoenix. Possibly even phoenixes. I mean, I don't know what the molt cycle is of a phoenix, but that's a lot of ash they gotta collect. But also it only takes a pinch to travel, so. That would also explain why the price never changes because consider this, why did the price change on anything ever? scarcity, specifically of the resource essential to the product. Like, have you tried buying a two by four right now? But phoenixes are immortal, so Flu Pow always has the exact same amount of supply on hand. Immortal, be reliable. Plus, do you know how long Ollivanders has been in business? 2200 years. That is a long time to be having consistent access to phoenix feathers, unless, you have a phoenix, in which case it's actually no big deal at all because the same one would have been alive the entire time. If anything, it explains why Ollivanders has always made wands because they have access to a phoenix. The point is this, phoenixes have the unique ability to burst into flame and transport themselves somewhere else. Their ashes maintain this ability, requiring but a pinch, some fire, and clear dictation. Diagonally. Also not for nothing, but Maleficent totally turns into a phoenix at the end of Maleficent 2, just saying. She's also surrounded by green flames all the time. I'm done. I'm out. I'm back. I gotta do the outro. 
Then my question for you and everyone else is, what do you think? Is this how they make flu powder? Does flu pow secretly have a phoenix that they're giving tail feathers to Ollivander from? Let me know your thoughts in the towel section down below. But guys, thanks as always for watching today's video. Don't forget to leave a like on it if you haven't already and subscribe so you don't miss any future Harry Potter action from us. If you want to see how the night bus is actually a Zowu, AKA a cat bus, you can check out this video right here. But Ben, until next time, I will see you in another life, bro.